Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. morning. Well, good evening, actually, for me. It's Saturday night, and I'm happy to welcome you into my home. And I'm glad that uh, so many of our uh, Knox staff and members have contributed wonderful resources to these uh, videos that we've been making for you. You've got a great worship service for today that it celebrates uh, many of the gifts of our congregation. And uh, I'm happy to try to do my part uh, to entertain you by uh, welcoming you into my house for this uh, fireside chat. So come on over here and join me. Um, we're going to sit down here in front of the fire and uh, I'm going to talk to you a little while this evening. A um, few things that I want to do this evening, starting with uh, say thank you to all of you who have uh, sent uh, emails and uh, made phone calls uh, to me and other members of our staff uh, encouraging us and uh, letting us know how you're doing. Um, we are doing everything that we can to reach out and keep in touch with you, our church community, and uh, we're grateful for all of the, the kind words and encouragement. Please continue to let us know what's uh, working well for you as we keep in touch with you virtually. Um, these are uh, difficult times that we're living into, um, but I am really gratified to see the way that our church community is coming together and surrounding one another with love, and I'm uh, grateful to be able to spend some time with you on this video. Um, so uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, a theological subject. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about some God language that I'm going to refer to as disorientation. In this message, I'll link you to some songs that you can listen to in, their, in their entirety later on as part of an illustration that I hope you'll find enjoyable um, and accessible, but it'll also serve as an entry point for something that is quite serious and in need of our commitment and prayer. And to get us into it, the reading for today comes from Psalm 30, and so I would ask you to hear the word of God as it comes from that psalm. O oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O oh Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O oh you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It was around uh, 9.30 on Thursday night, um, right here in this room, that uh, Anna and I heard the severe weather siren go off. We were over there in the kitchen, and it was the end of a long day and a typical lengthy bedtime routine with our four boys. They'd been down for about half an hour and were sound asleep, but when that alarm sounded and the take cover message came through, of course we 
hurriedly woke all four of the kids and we headed for the basement. And as I carried the last one down the stairs, I remember exactly what I was thinking. Really, God? All of this COVID-19 stuff and now a tornado? We all know by now that the weather passed by uneventfully that evening, but the reaction that I had on my way downstairs evolved into two other thoughts for me. The first one was a simple one. It was about gratitude. Thank God for meteorologists. Thank God for the people who work at the National Weather Service. You know, most of the time I take cheap shots at them during small talk with my friends, wondering why they were five degrees off or 12 hours off on their latest prediction. But the reality is that had there been a tornado Thursday night, they would have saved our lives. And why? During this critical time of COVID-19, they are still on call, making sure that if a tornado is about to blow the windows out of our house, we'll know and we'll be in the basement. It keeps occurring to me lately how many people, aside from the obvious healthcare professionals and first responders, and of course for them I'm grateful, but also how many other people are still working when they would probably rather be home. The hospital janitor, the bus driver, the school lunch maker, the meteorologist. Thank God for these people. While trying to respect social distance, Anna and I have started trying to figure out how to give these folks a thank you note and a little extra money. The postal worker who brings our mail, the garbage collector. Thank God for them. And I think, please God, keep them safe. I hope their children are taken care of while they're out of school. The other thought that grew out of that trip down the basement um, linking that tornado to COVID-19, the other thought I had was this. This pandemic is the lens through which we are seeing everything. It has reshaped our lives. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit on this message. Our financial system, our ability to work, and our ability to send our children to school, our expectation that there will be food on the shelf at the grocery store, our very freedom of movement, all of these things are being reshaped by the coronavirus. Now let me pause and say, I think all of those things are appropriate. I have told you in video messages a couple of times this week already to stay at home. And I know that these radical changes to our usual habits, I know that they generate anxiety. It's normal for us to be fearful and stressed and we need to feel those things. In fact, one of the worst ways to deal with that stress is to try to push it away or pretend it doesn't exist. So today I thought I'd try to give you a way to take this time of great social upheaval, this unusual time, and to put it in a context of where it's happened before in history, or where something like it has happened before, so that you might talk to God about it. So as I said, there's a theological word that I'm going to use to talk about this season that we're living in. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call it a time of disorientation. What I mean by this is that we are used to, we are oriented to rhythms and expectations about how our life is going to go. And those rhythms and expectations have been disrupted. We are disoriented. This is what life is like right now.
We are not alone in this. There is nothing new about disorientation. Disorientation happens on a personal level all the time, whether a spouse dies or, for instance, or uh, when that happens, everything changes about a person's daily rhythm. The same thing happens to many people when they retire and lose a rhythm that they've known for decades of working. Community disorientations happen all the time too, social disorientations. Every time a tornado does touch down in a community, disorientation strikes. Disorientation happens daily through the world. Whenever an airstrike hits a Middle Eastern village or a family flees their home and becomes refugees, the older adults in our congregation can tell firsthand stories that I cannot tell about the rationing and scarcity of the Depression and World War II. Even for people who weren't fighting in the war, it was a time of disorientation. And this is a theological idea. During that time, C.S. Lewis reminded Christians that they were not the first ones to live in such a time. And within the constraints they had, it was important to keep on living, creating, loving one another, caring for people in need, not just to be uh, overcome by their fears, but to keep on doing those basic things. There can be a way of embracing the disorientation without being overwhelmed by it. So we are certainly not the first people to live through disorientation. And in fact, there is a strong biblical witness from over 2,000 years ago that speaks to this. I'm going to talk a bit about that biblical witness, and then I'm going to do two things in terms of interpreting it. I'm going to remind you of a fun illustration I preached about several years ago, more theoretical at that time, but maybe practical today, to give you a creative way that you might embrace the disorientation of these days. And then I'm also going to say a couple things in closing about how important it is for us to fully embrace the disorientation of these days and to try not to resist it. So the great biblical story of disorientation is found in the book of Psalms. Psalms are the poetry of the Bible, the emotional, philosophical reflection on what's going on in the world. In the Psalms, people write to God about what they're feeling. Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann, whom I'm, I'm, who I'm glad to call a friend, says that the Psalms come in three forms, and I'll tell you briefly about each one. There are psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, and psalms of reorientation. So some of the psalms are happy. Life is good and steady and makes sense, and God is a provider. Psalm 1 is an example of that. It begins this way. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. It's a psalm of orientation. Other psalms are different. They are written by people who are experiencing disorientation. Life is upside down, and they question everything, including whether God is there at all. Psalm 74 asks, O Lord, why do you cast us off? Why do you hold back your hand? And the same psalm also pleads with God to do something about it. 
Have regard for the covenant you made with us, the psalmist says. Do not let the downtrodden be put to shame. And the psalmist demands, rise up, O God. The psalmist wants to know where God is. These are words of disorientation, wondering why things have become so hard and how long it is going to last. People have always asked these kinds of questions. Even though they are hard, they are questions of faith. And then there's a third kind of psalm that describes what life is like on the other side of disorientation. These are called psalms of reorientation. They sound like the scripture lesson I began with from Psalm number 30. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. These are different from the first psalm I told you about. They are not a naive happiness, but they are a faith that has known suffering. They are a wisdom that is born out of experience and a thankfulness that God has seen them through. These are the psalms of reorientation. So, that's the biblical idea. And now to talk about it, to imply it in a couple of ways. Uh, for those of you who may have some extra time on your hands these days or who need some kind of creative encouragement as you live into this time of disorientation in our lives, here's a reminder of an illustration that I shared with you a few years ago. The Book of Psalms, I think, is a lot like a Grateful Dead concert. Now, if you're a fan of the dead, you know that a Grateful Dead concert is not just a randomly selected list of their songs. It is a strategic artistic journey from beginning to end, and most of the time it followed a set pattern. The concert started with upbeat, fun songs, the band playing together and the crowd singing along sounds like Truckin' or Shakedown Street. And for those of you who aren't familiar, I'm going to play some short clips here along the way. So this is trucking. Nice, upbeat, comforting lyrics. Everybody knows the song, the crowd's singing along. This is the, the time of orientation during a Grateful Dead concert. Before long, though, the mood of the concert changes. The songs get longer and less melodic and would include long periods of solo playing that just sort of meander around. And I'm sure some people would call that part of the concert just noise. But there was something constructive, something intentional going on there. And this is what that part of the concert sounded like. and meandering. 
and sections of the concert might go on for a while like that. It's a clear time of disorientation that the musicians are engaging in quite intentionally. Eventually, though, this part of the concert resolves, and it happens again very intentionally, for not only do the last several songs in a dead concert return to the melody, but they were often songs that centered around themes of comfort or peace or home. And these songs included images that, even in the midst of the unknown, we are being carried and held and guided. And this was the comforting message with which they hoped to send people home. Songs that reflect this that you might look up include I Will Take You Home or Uncle John's Band is one that's fairly well known. Uncle John's Band starts out like this. Well, the first days are the hardest days. Don't you worry anymore. Because when life looks like easy street, there is danger at your door. And then, though, the refrain, Come here, Uncle John's band, down by the riverside. Got some things to talk about here beside the rising tide. Come here, Uncle John's band, playing to the tide. Come on along or go along. He's come to take his children home. And here's what that sounds like. These are the songs of reorientation, of a new discovery of comfort and peace and home, and they're only understandable if you have known the disorientation. If I've made you curious and you've got some time on your hands, search on the internet for a live Grateful Dead concert. There are many of them out there, and most are around three hours, and if you and you don't really get the full benefit of the reorientation songs unless you listen through the disorientation. Disorientation is a part of the journey. So here's the serious part of the message. In places where COVID-19 has spread way out of control, there are people and communities experiencing tremendous suffering. In China and in Italy and now in pockets of the U.S., there are people dying in great numbers and medical professionals making heartbreaking decisions for want of enough resources. Pray earnestly for these communities. And please know that my lighthearted illustration is in no way intended to take their pain less than seriously. What I've tried to do in this message is to make the idea of disorientation accessible, and here is the reason. We have to take our own disorientation seriously now, right now. And you don't get to reorientation without embracing disorientation. The actions we are being asked to take in these days are difficult and disorienting, but we must not ignore them in these early days. Friends, I am hopeful that we still have a window of opportunity in our community to diminish the extent of the suffering. Stay at home, 
practice social distancing. I know life seems upside down in so many ways. Embrace the disorientation. If you know someone who still thinks the restrictions are not necessary and all of this is no big deal, please talk to them. Share this video if you think it would be helpful. I pray that we will soon get to say together the words of Psalm 30. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Will you join me in prayer? O oh Lord, we ask that you would surround our whole world with your spirit, your care, and your love. Where people are suffering the most, we ask you, God, to rise up and show yourself. We ask you to ease the pain of those who are suffering Help those who are working so very hard to give people healing and comfort. For those of us who are in communities where COVID-19 is still in its early stages, help us to take it seriously, to make the disorienting moves that we need to make, and to appreciate with thanksgiving the comforts that we have, and so to make the adjustments that we need to in order to minimize the suffering. We ask your blessing on all of those who are working hard for the good of the community and to sustain resources. We ask your blessing upon children who are out of school and parents who are struggling. We ask your presence on all the situations beyond COVID-19 that continue to present challenges in the world severe weather, illnesses of other kinds, the anxieties that we carry and the difficulties of family life. We ask you to remind us of your great grace and blessings to us. Be with us in these days, O Lord. We are thankful for your love and your care and the community of faith that you give us. Amen. Friends, I thank you for your time this morning and this week. Um, there's uh, a message that we have for you in uh, today's uh, email and uh, the content that we continue to share out about things that the church is doing in our community to encourage uh, the, the needs of the hungry to be met and to share generously the abundance that we have and with that thought in mind, I would commend it to you, uh, read those things, keep track of what we're sending you, uh, and now in our worship time, we will go into a period of uh, hearing and singing the doxology and inviting you to think on your offerings of self and family uh, for this day, this week, uh, this hour. I'm grateful to be with you this morning. Keep calm and be the church. I'll see you soon.